Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Bruce Arian says he's expecting a little more grit and determination from Tom Brady. He says he's surprised how poorly Brady played at times, but he wasn't alone. Wait till you hear... We had to say about the play of left tackle Donovan Smith. And the Lightning can close out their series tonight against the Islanders and advance to the Stanley Cup final with a win. Steven Stamkos is skating with the Bolts. What does that mean for the captain? And the Rays, they begin their series tonight against the Nationals. No G-Man Choi, probably for the rest of the regular season. We've got all that and more to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer... Steve Versnick and um, Steve, it's been a kind of a whirlwind. I mean, I'm just thinking back in my head, like what is 12 hours ago, I was in New Orleans um, coming out of, I guess, you know, the Mercedes Dome after the Bucks sort of had that disappointing first game and thinking about how, how Tom Brady played and it, certainly he wasn't uh, alone. I mean, I think their special teams were horrible. Their defense had some bad moments. They all sort of contributed like the United way, but uh I think it was, you know, it it was interesting after the game, um, and, and this is sort of who Bruce Arians is, right? He'll he'll he doesn't BS anybody. He will tell you what he thinks about a player, about a play, who is responsible if he knows, um, and and he was pretty critical uh, in real time after that game with Tom Brady. Well, that criticism continued, if not got ramped up more on Monday, and um, you know, it, it it's. It's only surprising in this sense. And I didn't realize the reaction we were going to get when, when those comments became public. I tweeted out a bunch of them and then did, you know, did uh, obviously stories about it and blogs. Um, but I guess, you know, Brady has an enormous following. There's no secret of that. You don't win six Super Bowls in New England and some of the media markets up there like Boston um, in the Northeast without having a giant following. And he still does. Uh, I think a lot of Patriots fans feel like they can root for the Patriots and root for Brady in Tampa because it's an NFC team and they're still big Brady fans and Gronkowski fans and whatnot. But when Bruce Arians said what he said about Tom Brady on both Sunday and particularly Monday, man, my mentions, the internet went crazy. I mean, you would have thought, I mean, you apparently, you know, as boring as Bill Belichick is, he never once publicly anyway we know he did it in private, but never once publicly criticized Brady in 20 years. I mean, that that's what I gathered from all this is that, wait, no one's ever said anything about the way Tom Brady played after a game? Uh, um, Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> that's very good. It's, it's exactly what you sound like, Bill. Uh, and, and I think, you know, and it's not like we, we know, we know that that situation, you know, it, that, that he's very demanding and, I think there was a part of Tom Brady that just wanted to breathe, you know, that, that wanted to try something different after 20 years because you're in that pressure cooker. And what you hear is that, you know, Belichick is hard on everybody and he's just as hard on the quarterback as he is. He is a long snapper. And sometimes 
treats them both equally. And so we know Belichick wouldn't say anything about anybody really in the press conferences, just as it, it was always about the team and we got to get better and I got to coach better and they got to play better. And there was never generally singling out anybody. But down here, that's just not Bruce Arians' style. I mean, Bruce Arians, you know, for those that listen to this podcast, hopefully the, the you know, it's growing because of, of, of all the Brady fans. But, um, you know, Bruce Arians is a uh, – is a Paul Bear Bryant disciple. I mean, you know, Paul Bear Bryant, the, the legendary Alabama head coach, he worked for him. He was his running backs coach at a very young age during his coaching career. And imagine what a figure and what an impact that made on Arians. I've talked to him about it many times. And, you know, what Paul Bear Bryant's motto was, and Arians has a picture of the guy, you know, over his right shoulder in his office, wherever he coaches, um, his motto was, you know, and his advice, Starians, which he repeats often, is, hey, just, uh, you know, um, coach him hard and hug him up later. I mean, that's his whole thing. Coach him hard, but then hug him up later. And that's exactly what Arians does. I mean, Arians will stand there in front of his team and say, look, I'm going to be all over you if you screw up. But don't take it personal. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that your football sucks. He'll <laughs> just tell him that. And it's interesting, but that's sort of what, He's been saying about Brady, you know, um, since Sunday's game. And and it did suck, um, particularly two throws. One, he's gone back and looked at it and actually blamed Mike Evans when after the game he sort of pinned it on Brady, but he, he saw that, you know, it wasn't covered two. It was sort of a cloud coverage or quarters coverage, and Evans should have probably cut it back to the inside. I don't think the throw was anywhere in the zip code, by the way, um, even if he had done that. But regardless, you know, this is sort of the this is sort of who Bruce Arians is. And I don't I don't know what Brady's reaction to it will be. I don't know if he'll like it, dislike it, not give a damn. I mean, Brady is so accountable anyway, you know, that he took blame for everything last night, you know, including I think I can't remember, maybe the pandemic and Hurricane Sally. I mean, he he was he's not one to shirk his responsibility, you know. Um and and we don't know what mistakes were his and what mistakes weren't, but certainly the pick six was his. I mean, no one's denied that. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it just it's interesting to me that that apparently there are people that think like, whoa, like they think now this is uh, this isn't going to last long. That oh boy, you know, you you've tugged on Superman's cape here, Bruce Arians. I, I got to believe, and Bruce is a, a, a you know a proven coach, a great track record. Hmm. Look, Bruce speaks, you know, he tells the truth. He he doesn't sugarcoat things. Right. But he's a smart guy. He's not going to go out there and say that about Tom Brady if he doesn't think Brady can take it. Right. You know, it's yes, Bruce is honest, but he's not 100% honest. I mean, we we believe he's more honest than most and he'll give you his honest opinion a lot more than many coaches, but they're the coaches are calculating. They they know what to say when. I mean, if if you know your team and your players. Right. But, but Bruce is trying to change a culture here. Mm-hmm. This is 12 years of losing here. Mm-hmm. And while I, I didn't think they would go into New Orleans and win the first game, because I think New Orleans is a really good team, and you've got a lot of new pieces here, including your quarterback, that, you know, I, I thought Brady would play better than he did, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't expect him to win. But he's trying to change a culture here, and that playing well, but a few mistakes is not good enough. And he's trying to put everyone on notice, including the fan base. That this is not acceptable, and and look, he's not going out there to say that about Brady if he doesn't think Brady can take it. And and 
I, I'm sure he's told Brady the exact same things, if not more, before he went out and said what he said today. Totally do. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brady absolutely. isn't reading this in the paper going, what? What did my coach say about me? I right. Mean, you know, that's not, that's not Bruce's style at all. And, and, right. But this also takes some of the blame and, and deflection. Now, granted, Bruce lit up a lot of people, but you know Brady's going to be the one that gets the headlines out of it. It takes some of the heat off some of the other players. You know, go out there, do your job. You know, yeah. be better. Bust your ass like Brady. Because you know, you know Brady's coming back this week and working harder than he did the last five weeks, and you know he worked really hard the last five weeks if you know him. Right. You know, but you know he's going to be he's going to be in earlier this week and working harder and, and doing more, and he wants the rest of the team to follow that that lead. Yeah, Brady, who is on, um, you know, has this Monday night thing for years uh, on Westwood One with Jim Gray. You know, Jim Gray, the mm-hmm. the decision guy with LeBron James, among other things. Um, long time, long time reporter. He uh, he was on there, and he and he and he said, you know, sort of in addition to how it was a, a long flight home and. You know, a long night of sleep, and it's going to be a long Monday and Tuesday, and we're going to have to come with a lot more urgency when we go. You know, when we go back to practice, um, you know, all that stuff, and and it seems sincere, but you know, he said something interesting, which was about listen. It's early in the year. He says, you know, you have to find a way to win games while you're still trying to figure out what you can do, what you can, you know, what you do well, mm-hmm. what you don't do so well. But he said, but regardless of, of all that happens, you, you have to absolutely, you know, find a way to win football games. And, and the way you don't win them is by turning the ball over, which he did by playing bad special teams, which the bucks did. Um, and, you know, blowing coverages and jumping off sides and critical downs on fourth down, which Vita Vea did. I mean, they did a lot of things as a team to lose that football game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the guy with the ball is always going to get the blame, and there was so much expectations and hype. And you're right. New Orleans is a real good football team. You know what New Orleans was saying, by the way? Because I didn't get a chance. You know, we only had so much time after that game with Zoom calls from the Bucks to sort of write our stories. And, and by that time, they were closing up the Superdome. We literally had to have a guard take us out. We didn't know how to get out of that. We were locked in that place. Um, and basically what the Saints and, and Sean Payton were saying is, we weren't very good tonight. Like, our offense got shut down. And they did. 160 yards from mm-hmm. Breeze passing. Um, you know, like 15 yards rushing from Alvin Kamara. You know, 17 yards receiving, on, you know, three catches from Michael Thomas. Those aren't the numbers that are usually associated with the with the Saints offense. Bucks defense did some really really good things, mm-hmm. including shutting down the run as they did all of last year. Um, so neither team was really you know that geeked up about it. I mean the game the game was won by New Orleans defense, mm-hmm. and and they wrecked the game. They 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 killed their field position as did the special teams. And Donovan Smith couldn't block anybody. And this was another guy that. You know, he absolutely came after. Now, you know, a year ago, you know, there were times early on where I thought Bruce was kind of easy on Jameis Winston, you know, until we got to London and he had the six turnover game. Then it was over. <laughs> then it was like, uh, yeah, will it concern me? Yeah, if this happens again, I'll be very concerned. Well, it did, and it kept happening, and it happened all the way to 30 interceptions, and that's why Jameis isn't here. But, you know, in kind of talking to coaches and different people over there today, it was sort of like, you know, 
it was disappointing to the to the degree that they had had better practices, but practice is practice. I mean, the, I, I think I said on this podcast, and I know I wrote it, what Brady was really worried about is the fact they had not been on a field together. Had, they had not had a game. They had not had a scrimmage. That you're just going against yourself. No one's hitting the quarterback, obviously, and that, believe me, that changes things, right? Mm-hmm. When you go in front of a team at full speed that is able to put you on the ground or knock you into retirement, whatever comes first, it changes your your perspective too. Like suddenly you're not the coolest kid in school, you know, like you're playing a little hot potato with that football. And when, when Donovan Smith is, you know, a turnstile um, at left tackle and he was, Bruce even said today that he had one of the, he had the easiest blocking assignment. I mean, they were missing a starter on that side. He went against Cam Jordan a couple of times for the most part, he went against their, you know, their third and fourth defensive end uh, and he couldn't block them. And so, you know, he, he jumped him. He cut into him pretty good. So I, I just think that, you know, th- there's plenty of blame to go around. But I, I thought it was, you know, Brady's perspective is sort of, look, we, we, we don't have time to, you know, to try to figure this out. Like, we have to figure out how to win a game and keep winning while we're getting better. And I almost, you know, I, I almost wonder, they keep talking about the urgency yeah, Brady talked well, about it. Arian, so, well, but but it's forty three. Well, no, 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 no. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is, my point being is that I almost wonder if there's not, if there wasn't a feel leading up to this game, possibly that some guys are reading their press clippings a little too much. Oh, I think there's a lot. That of how that. great yeah. this offense is supposed to be, and they're we're not, going they're to not, the Super Bowl. They're, they're not that they're not working, but they're not that that they're not putting in enough of the the good effort or prep or what you know i almost wonder if, i mean part of when a coach calls out the team that much on that mm-hmm. and knowing that the challenges of a new quarterback knew this and and granted it's tom brady but right you almost wonder if it wasn't a team that's lost for 12 years now is like oh we're gonna win and and there's well, some i think of the, i think that's exactly that, that that entitled attitude that that i think arians probably i think that's exactly and brady it. too yeah i think that's exactly you know brady said he was on this on this interview with jim gray you asked him, you know, there's so many expectations in the Super Bowl. He goes, look, he goes, that game, that game's not played till February, man. He goes, you know, and this is a guy that's been to, you know, nine of them, nine of them, and has won six. Um, about half of them in, in, of his career, he's gone to just roughly half of the Super Bowls that have been played since he's been in the NFL. And he said, you know, yeah, there's all that. He goes, everybody wants to make predictions. You know, there's predictions out there. We're going here, we're going there. He goes, you know. And and I think, you know, look, I watched these guys. They worked really hard in, in the six weeks they were there. And there was a lot of urgency and a lot of, um, you know, attention to detail and things that you don't typically see. Coaches preach it all the time. It's different when the guy that walks in the huddle is the guy who has done it. So they were taking their cues from him. And, they're, and, and they have been, they've, they've been very serious, I think, and they have gotten better. But there is still this this notion of, we're special when they haven't done anything. The guy that's behind center, he has, you know, he, he can, he can do whatever he wants at this point. His legacy is fairly cemented. Now he can take it, you know, he can take a crowbar to it down here for a couple of years if he wants to, but it's still, he's still going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, but he's done it. They have not. So from your st- I think you make a good point that there is this sort of entitlement by association. Well, Tom's our quarterback and I'm his receiver. And so therefore I'm good. You know, which you haven't, you haven't won anything, you, you know, I mean, you just haven't won. 
and it's about winning. And I think that's what I think that's what Tom is trying to. The urgency is it's each week, it's each play. You know, um, there's some plays in that game I haven't seen. I, I mean, I've watched the Bucks screw up a lot. There's some plays in that game I haven't seen in a long time. I mean, I, I watched a guy. Ryan Jensen is lined up next to Tristan Wirfs on a field goal, right? You know how fast it, you know how fast that operation usually is? It's so quick that you barely can make contact with a guy in front of you and that ball's out, right? Now, granted, it was a long one. It was 54 yards. So Ryan Suckup's there. And as soon as the ball is snapped, Jensen just gets barreled, you know? And Wirfs is starting to spin to his inside. He's hooking the guy that's coming through. You never see guy. I mean, it's very rare to see guys just get whipped like that, you know, uh, on the right side, like your guards, you know, in, in your tackle, just give up that kind of penetration. That was weird. There was the pooch kickoff where, you know, Mike Edwards turns and is, is trying to be Willie Mays at the polo grounds and feel it over his head and runs right into the, you know, right into Jaden Mickens, the kick returner, and the ball gets fumbled. I mean, that sort of thing in the National Football League against the division champion three times over in the last three years, you can't beat teams that way, you know? And that has nothing – neither of those plays had anything to do with Brady other than the fact that the field goal only happened because Donovan Smith let Leonard Fournette get dropped for about a three- or four-yard loss uh, because he got whipped by Cam Jordan on that play, uh, and they had to settle for a field goal. So – it's a team game. It's a hard and, and Brady said this tonight uh, on Monday night. He said, it, "You know, it's a hard game to play. Um, you know, and, and it was hard to play on Sunday. You know, with or without fans, there, there was a lot of hard hitting. It was tackling. Um, he thought the he thought the level of play was interesting. He said something too that was. He's actually made it sound like it was kind of fun. Just uh, you know, even though the crowd went there, like just you got nothing to focus on except football. You know, it's like you have to execute. You have to be each other's." sort of cheerleader and you know have to generate your own energy and that sort of thing. I don't know, man. Um, I don't think the sky is falling here in Tampa Bay. I, I do think, and, and again, I asked what happened and what I was told is, you know, pretty much what we saw is what happened. You saw Tom Brady trying to run somebody else's offense. That's what happened Sunday. It wasn't Tom Brady. It wasn't what Tom Brady has done for 20 years. You saw Tom Brady trying to run somebody else's offense when he hasn't had a snap for the first time against real competition. That's right. That's right. When he hasn't taken a snap against anybody, even in a preseason game, that's how it looked. And he was very frustrated by how it looked and it looked bad. And yet, you know, I would say this, you can go look, I think it was Peyton Manning got to Denver and like, what was it, 2012, somewhere in there? Mm-hmm. Um, in his first season, now, now he brought his own offense, right? I mean, he gets hurt. Andrew Luck, you know, comes in, plays really well as a rookie. They go to the playoffs. Now they don't need Manning. And he leaves and goes to Denver. And uh, he's rehabbed and all this kind of stuff. But he brings his offense. In other words, it was never even a debate. Like, oh, no, no, no. Wherever I go, we're running my offense that I've been running for 14 years. It's going to be my terminology. All you guys, you other guys, coaches included, you're going to have to learn what I call everything. I mean, think about that. Like teams were, you know, Miami, Denver, all these teams were willing to, to you know, Carolina. They're all willing to just roll over and say, okay. And so Denver finally did. 
And so everybody in Denver, coaches included, had to learn the system that Manning had evolved to fit who? Manning, to fit him, right? Everything we call it, everything I've done, it's evolved over years. It evolved 20 years. They've evolved the, 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 the offense that Tom Brady has run. And he comes down here, and it's not only the new terminology, which is problematic because, again, things are happening faster. Guys are hitting you. Guys are making mistakes. You're having to tell. How many times did he have to look at Ronald Jones and tell him where to go? This is the other thing. And I thought Dan Orlovsky and ESPN made this point because they highlighted it, where it's like, come on, guys. Learn your playbook. I mean, this is his second second year in the system for Ronald Jones. And there was very few plays when he had him in the shotgun, which was too often, by the way, where he didn't have to turn to Jones and tell him who to block or where to run or what to call. I mean, you know, so there's a lot of that stuff behind the scenes that, you know, no one's going after Ronald Jones, although I didn't think he was very special. Arians thought he ran hard. He still averaged under four yards of carry. Um, and it's going to take time, man. It just... But you don't have time, and that, that's the thing. The urgency is what Brady's going to bring. They also saw what, we wrote, what I wrote about over the weekend, which is he's a little different on game days. You know, he's not going around saying, hey, Juice, hey, hey, Scooter, hey, J-Mick, you know, like it, it, all the nicknames and the fun thing. No, 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 no. You screw up, he's in your face, you know. Um, he's on the sideline telling him one play at a time, He's you know. He's got all this experience, you know, what was it, 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. Like, you don't quit on anything, you know, and you better know what you're doing. You might make one mistake once, but if you make the same mistake twice, he ain't coming back to you. You know, he's got, he's, he's, you got to build, you got to gain his trust. So, just interesting, it's just been an interesting 24 hours, you know, sort of thinking about this. And I think it's going to take more, I think they're going to have to do more work. I think that coaching staff is going to have to find a mama bear that they haven't found yet. Because I really do believe that Tom Brady was trying to run Bruce Arians' offense with the emphasis on throwing the ball down the field, which is not what Tom Brady does. Can he throw it deep? Yes. Is that what he does best? No, especially not at 43. The best guy in that stadium for what Bruce Arians wanted to do or wants to do with that offense, the best skill set of all those quarterbacks that were on that field the other day was sitting over there as Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is exactly what you want in today's football, but you can't get him to stop turning the ball over. And we saw yesterday or on Sunday that, you know, some of the reasons might be because the guys around him aren't that good, like Donovan Smith. He had to put up with that too. Mm -hmm. You know, now he still made egregious throws like the out route that Brady made. But, man, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, Jameis Winston, if he could ever stop turning the ball over, that's what football is today. It's more about, you know, Patrick Mahomes slinging it down the field. Lamar Jackson, you see the deep ball that guy threw the other day? The mobility of the quarterback, throwing on the run, um, you know, and and Breeze and Brady were kind of playing a different game. You know, Brady was trying to get the ball down the field at mm-hmm. times, but, I mean, basically that's the way the game has been played for years and years and years, which is, Throw it to the guy that's open. Let him run after the catch, you know? Let's think back to a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And this was a big story back then, but we haven't talked about it now because you brought the goat in. But Bruce Arians' offense takes time to learn, too. Mm-hmm. Carson Palmer, who is one of, is a great quarterback, probably a Hall of Famer, although has most people won't think of it that way. Has but the numbers. Absolutely. He does. 
Yeah. He struggled the first six, seven games in Bruce Arians' system. His first year, he threw 20-something yeah. interceptions. Yeah, a lot of them were in the first half, and they got better in the second half. Yeah. And we, we haven't talked about that with Tom Brady coming into no. Bruce Arians' offense because we weren't no. sure exactly what the offense would be. Is it Brady's? Is it Arians? Yeah, is it it, exactly. And, you know, but it was, it was also because you're, you're bringing in the GOAT, so you're like, oh, he's not going to have a problem. But it does take a little time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I said, the schedule makers didn't do them any favors putting the Saints first. The top no. team in your division, a Super oh, Bowl no. contender, no question That's, about it. Right. That didn't, that didn't do any – I think you, know, you and I talked after the podcast last night because you and Ed, Ed did it, but I think this week's going to be a bigger – status or update on where this team is you know agree this team's going to get better as the year goes on because brady's mm-hmm. going to get more comfortable and everyone's going to get more comfortable with him and, and the offense and everything right that a team like carolina is a better indication of where the team is not the saints because the saints correct. are a super bowl contender right now i think the mm-hmm. bucks can be by the end of the year i don't think they are now and that's what you know as brady has said is you know that, that game's not till february you got to earn it. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to earn it every year, and he's had to earn it every year, and he knows that all too well. I mean, who better to tell you how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl than a guy that got the nine of them? Mm-hmm. You know, and it might sound, it might sound like antithetical. Wait a minute, this guy, you know, he's Mister One Game at a Time. He's been there nine times. Yeah, but that's how he got there. Like you have to listen to him. That's why he tells him, you know, we don't, we can't take a rep off. We can't take a period off. We can't take a practice off. Like we have to be on it all the time, and. And it's true. They don't know what they're going to be. Look, I don't, I don't know that Ronald Jones was 3.9, even though Bruce Arians is singing his praises. I don't know that he's their best running back. It could be Leonard Fournette, you know? I don't think they blocked very well for the run. They didn't block well for anybody. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't blocked well for the run. For, I mean, not that they've had great running backs the last few years. But, no, but since 2015, but, you don't have a yeah. guy that can rush for 1,000 yards, and you're going to tell me it's all the running back's fault? Come on. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. They're not that good. They they haven't been good run. They haven't moved people off the line of scrimmage. They just haven't. You know, I mean, where where are the holes that guys just you know hit one twenty one yard run, and if you take that away, I think he's averaging under two yards a carry. You know, you can't do that obviously because that's how guys get the the big the big you know the big chunks of yards. But mm-hmm. um, really, the rest of his carries didn't get didn't gain anything. I mean. They they it, it never feels con- like, it never feels like the Bucks running backs are running downhill. No, they never get to the second level. Well, but but it, but it just it just never it feels like they're 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 already they're, there's congestion before they the get started. Line. Yeah, I mean yeah. It, it just never feels like they run downhill. And and, right. and I'm not saying it's the running backs all the running backs fault. I'm saying that there's there's not holes. There's not right. They're trying to bounce things because there's nothing inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. So. You know, um, but getting back to Manning for a second. So when he took over from Denver and he brought his own offense, you know, again, they he was one and two. He was one and two, and then he was two and three, okay, his first year. Two and three. This is with his offense in Denver. And then they won ten games in a row. It was unbelievable. It's like they just went, you know. And they didn't lose again until they got to the playoffs. And so – if that's Peyton Manning, and that's probably the best example of a guy, legacy guy who changes teams, and and he brought his own offense, and he had training camp, and he had preseason games, and it still took him, you know, a good six weeks to 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 kind of find the identity of that football team. Then we all are, we all are prone to overreact anyway in, on opening day, but it is going to take time. 
I think that coaching staff has a lot of work to do, though. I think they got to get Brady more in doing Brady things. I mean, it, you know, Bruce has said, well, he's got the ball. Well, that's true. But if you call certain route combinations where guys are running streaks, you know, um, and I've got five eligible and, I, and, and I'm waiting for them to get downfield while at the same time I'm feeling pressure from, you know, the fact that they can bring more than I can block. And, and even if I could block them all, we're not winning at the line of scrimmage. That, that puts you under a lot of duress for a 43-year-old quarterback. And the one thing I can tell you about Brady is he's not going to stand in there and get killed. You know, if he sees somebody win clean more, more now than ever, I saw him do it on third down, he'll chuck that ball away. He didn't care if they get a punt or not. He's not going to stand there and take hits because you screwed up. So fascinating day with the back and forth. And, and um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think Tom's going to have a problem with this. But, man, that fan base up in, in New England, I got the I got like sort of like mean mail. It was like, hey, I'm just saying what 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 Bruce yeah, had to I, say. I, look, I think th- those messages from Bruce were not for Tom Brady. They were for the rest of his teammates. Right. Br- Bruce right. wasn't talking to Brady today in the press. No, he's talking through him. He's talking through him to everybody else. Because be, if be I'm going to get that mad at the greatest yep. quarterback of all time, what does that say for you? Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to cut in, if I'm going to cut up a legend, right. And it's about the accountability thing. That's like, look, you know, there's no sacred cows here. We're trying to win. And if Brady doesn't play well, and he didn't, then you know what? I'm going to call him out. And the whole team knew that he didn't play well. I mean, when I say well, he didn't play like Tom Brady typically plays outside of the first rap. And that's the thing that that people got cut people's extension was, you know, I said, you know, what's it going to take for Brady to look like Brady? He goes, well, he looked like Tom Brady in all the practices we've had. And he goes, and he looked like him on the first drive, and they didn't do anything we hadn't seen. So I was surprised as anybody that he didn't look like Tom Brady. Because you can't say he was out of sync. What was the first drive all about? So he really, you know, he really kind of laid it laid it out there fairly interesting. So anyway, it's going to be interesting week two. You got um, the other quarterback that they would have replaced Jameis Winston with, Teddy Bridgewater, coming to town. Uh, <laughs> and then they got to go to Denver. Um, and then they come home and play the Chargers, and then I think they go to Chicago. So the schedule isn't overly daunting. I mean, you you know, they're all the best in the world. You still got to go out there and win. Um, but this is going to be a really, yeah, really I mean, fascinating week. You got, you got a week. new coach, new offense, new quarterback in Carolina. You got a new quarterback in Denver. Right. You got, you know, a new quarterback in, in the Chargers as well. I mean, it's yep. experienced one in Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod but, Taylor, but he's, he's not very good. You know, but for the next three games, you got new quarterbacks now, mm-hmm. or new systems and all that of these teams. And right, you know, and and I, look, like I said, the schedule didn't do them any favors playing the Saints in Week One with all the no, changes and everything. Of course else. not. I mean, that's and no preseason, no off with the pandemic no, in particular. Yeah, yeah, I mean, none of that stuff. I mean, so that was going to favor, and this whole season, I think, is going to favor teams that have been together with the quarterbacks and coaches that have been together. Mm-hmm. You know, I just watched, I mean, we just watched Pittsburgh beat the Giants, who I thought played pretty well. But that's a first-year coach with the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. And they got some good young players. I mean, you know, Squan Barkley's yeah. great. And Look, the Steelers almost made the playoffs last year, and they didn't have Roethlis. They had awful quarterback play, and they almost made the playoffs. Right. So now Ben's back. Yes. And he's a, he's a little rusty, but his arm is fine, so he mm-hmm. doesn't feel any pain. And you got Mike Tomlin, who, oh, by the way, I don't think he's lost. I don't think he's won fewer than 10 games in a year he's coached. 
Last year they didn't, but Did they, they start. But they, they started like, winning record. They were like record, eight, right? seven, and one or something like that last year. They still had a winning record, yeah. though. I think. Yeah, they yeah. missed. They they would have been in the playoffs. So maybe that's it. Maybe maybe he yeah. hasn't had a losing uh, yeah, record. Yeah, I think yet. that's correct. But yeah, they would have yeah. made the playoffs if there were seven teams like this year. But there was only yeah. six last year. So, so. He's, he's like thirteen years into it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy, right? But um, that's how consistently good they are. Um, so yeah, and again, Ben Roethlisberger, if he's healthy. Mike Tomlin, coach quarterback, been together, been in big games, won Super Bowls. Those are going to be the guys, you know, um, even though it's the second year, you know, in Green Bay for their head coach, but Aaron Rodgers, been there, a lot of experience, you know. Um, I, I just think this is going to be that year. And, of course, the two young guys, I mean, Lamar Thomas, who's just exceptional quarterback, you know. Lamar Jackson. Um, or Lamar Jackson, I call him Lamar Thomas, former <laughs> Bucks receiver. Good Lord. He's about as far away from Lamar Thomas as you can get. But, yeah, uh, Lamar, I got, I got Lamar Thomas stories for you. We'll tell those one night on the podcast. I found out what Baker acting means. Um, but, yeah, Lamar Jackson and then, you know, it, 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 there's, some, there's the young studs that are, that are going to be in the picture. But other than that, I think it's going to be the legacy quarterbacks. I think it's going to be the guys – um, especially if they've been with their coaches for any length of time, um, that are going to figure they're just going to figure it out. I think Brady will figure it out. I really do. I think you know he's he's going to learn his his guys, and um, each game plan is going to be different. Each team they play is different. Carolina has lost; they've been decimated on the defensive side. They lost so many people, including Luke Keekley, who retired. Um, you know, so they're kind of starting over. Got a good running back, but these guys stopped the run, so it doesn't really play to the strength. I mean, Teddy's. Teddy beat them, beat this defense last year with the Saints personnel. Let's see if he can do it with what's at Carolina. Um, but it's going to kind of, I think it's going to go kind of back and forth. I think that's exactly what's going to happen, that you're going to have kind of a 500 start, and then, you know, at some point um, they're going to have to uh, hit their stride and, and, and try to run off a bunch of wins in a row and get in the playoffs. And if they can't do that, then, you know what, the whole thing was, uh, was really not uh, – not worth it. I mean, not 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 what they wanted. I mean, they they're expecting postseason success, but you just you know you got to win some games. And so that was that was my Monday. Um, listening to Tom Brady even as late as nine o'clock on Westwood One uh, with Jim Gray, which was interesting. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So we had some lightning news. I, I, you know, we've been asking about Steven Stamkos, and you know, John Cooper has been very reticent about even talking about him. I mean, he doesn't want to talk about his status, obviously. Uh, and there was a time, Steve. I guess he wasn't with them, right? That he had come home. There's and been had left. The there's bubble? been. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. No one has confirmed that. Okay. There was there was some some saying that he had left, but no one knows. And got it. Look, leaving the bubble could be a personal. Issue could be a, oh, medical, a lot of reasons. Could, could be sure. going to see a doctor. It could be. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of reasons you could leave the bubble if he did. But 
Uh, yeah. I don't know if he did, but today we saw a video of him taking warm-ups with the team in practice. One-timers. And, yeah, <laughs> well, that's what he does best. Can you? Could you just station him on the ice? Could you afford – you can't do this in hockey, right, because you need everybody. Could you afford one guy – to be on your bench that when you get in the penalty that he goes out there and just stands stands in the circle and and waits for the one timer. You could. Um you know the question is what is his you know I we don't know what his injury is so yeah you know, we don't know. You, is he vulnerable if he's out there? Yeah, yeah, vulnerable or can he even skate? I mean, you know, if it's a leg right. problem. I don't need him to skate you know, far. Well, you just yeah. kind of around the circle. Let <laughs> me <laughs> just sit there. Oh, but you got to get to the r- bench. You got to get on and off the bench. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do got you got to get over the ice. That's true. <laughs> Maybe they can create a door for him or something. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know what's bothering him. I don't know what – nobody knows yeah. really what it is. But, yeah, so he was at practice today. And, and Cooper said, look, he's been skating off and on. He's in rehab and, you know, no update. He's still not going to play at this point. And, um, you know, but he's been he a kind of great... said no time soon. You won't see him anytime soon, which we're, we're one game away from the Lightning perhaps. Which, according to going... Cooper, that could be tonight. I mean, you know, he, he likes oh, to really? play that deception. I don't, I don't believe that's going to happen. But Yeah. But you know, so you don't think he he, he means anything by that except uh, no. I, I, I look. I think I think Stamkos. And this is a guess, but I'm guessing he is rehabbing. I'm guessing it's it's not going. I mean, he he hasn't been full participants in skate according to Cooper. He's been out there, you know, before or after skating by himself, and then when they're doing optionals, which they don't do full practices and stuff. So that he's not out there for full practices with the right. team. He's not taking line rushes and all that. I mean, optional skates are more about just doing some drills and stuff. It's not you're not playing, so to speak, or scrimmaging yourself. So uh, you know, I, maybe he gets in at the Stanley Cup final at some point if they make it that far. That's my prediction. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. And, and look, it might be somewhat um, ceremonial <laughs> or whatever. Um, you still got you still got to have enough players available to you to win. You can't you can't mm-hmm. just tie up a roster spot. Um, if he absolutely can't play, well, but, look. If he's going to play, then you're going to go twelve and six and take out exactly, a, a defenseman. Exactly. I mean, Luke Shen at that point is going to sit, assuming yeah, exactly. you're keeping your current lineup and and nobody else is injured or out. But that still stresses your defense a little bit. But yeah, that's what you're going to do. It does. But once if, if McDonough and and Hedman are healthy, then it's not. I mean, yeah. look, they win eleven seven because McDonough was out and they had a lot of minutes to chew up. So instead of giving. Shen or Coburn, all those minutes, or shifting it to Sergachev, whatever it was. Let's bring in two guys in and divvy up the minutes a little bit, and and help everyone succeed. Now McDonough's back, but it's working, so they've kept with it. They could always go back to twelve and six if they choose. So I'm going to tell you, if he if he if it's humanly possible and they get the Stanley Cup final, he's going to play in those games or at least one of them. If if they he's got a, I mean, if the, yeah, if they, I mean, if it's going to take the doctor saying you cannot. You cannot go on the ice. Right? I would, yes, that's right. Especially, especially if they're ice. up in a series and they have a shot to clinch. Yeah, I think you're gonna. You know, it's gonna I mean, take the name, doctors. You know, strapping them to the training table, going, "You're not going out there." They have to tie him up because his name's going on that cup that they win, mm-hmm. and he would, and he would like the experience of being on the ice. Absolutely. Um, when they do, but Cooper also uh-huh. talked about what a great leader he's been throughout this whole thing, and, and right with his teammates in that, and. You know, and a lot of his teammates have talked about that throughout this this playoffs. Um, yeah, you know, Hedman and Johnson and Kalorn, they've all talked about how well, you know, Stamkos has been a leader and and helping them. You know, while he's not on the ice with them, but he's with them and helping them. So doing what a captain's supposed to do. It's actually helped some of those guys also become better leaders. Like I think mm-hmm. Victor Hedman is a better leader because and and not 
Would you rather have Stamkos with him? Yes. You know, would you rather have the A on his chest or whatever? Um, that's fine. But I think, you know, somebody has to pick that up. Somebody has to become more vocal. Somebody has mm-hmm. to say some things in the room that, that uh, maybe Stamkos are on the ice that Stamkos can't say because he's not there. The one, so, that, the one that they're saying has really stepped up his vocalness in the room is Nikita Kucherov. That's right. A I lot of the players, Shattenkirk and Hedman, and there's a lot of guys have talked about how mm-hmm. impa- Pat Maroon, uh, how impactful mm-hmm. it's been that Kucherov is finding his voice in that room. He's always been kind of a quiet player. You don't hear yeah. much in the media and this. He, he, you know, works his tail off and goes about his his craft. But not only is he playing a, I think he's had a tremendous playoffs. Not just offensively, but watch the 200 foot game he's playing. It's, yeah, no, he's back you know, checking. He's doing know, all that stuff. Last year in that Columbus series, all he was was offense when he wasn't getting suspended. And, <laughs> right, you know, you know, but this year it's a different Nikita Kucherov. He's being physical. A bigger voice. Yeah, he's 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 playing two hundred feet of ice. He's back checking. He's forechecking, mm-hmm. and he's being vocal in the room, according to the players. And that's really had an impact because when Kucherov is doing the right things on the ice and he's talking about it, when someone at that skill level, maybe the best player on the team, arguably, you know, definitely the most creative offensive player on the team, that when he's saying that and doing that, others follow. And it's had a big impact. More vocal, but then he's Russian and no one knows what he's saying. But he is yeah, more well. vocal. So we, <laughs> no, he's actually his English is really really good. Way better than my Russian. I I, I am married to uh, uh, to somebody who whose first language was Greek, and she so she's bilingual. And, and I've always been fascinated by people who who are able to to learn a second language. And um, you know, because I automatically, rightfully assume that they're smarter than me. Because you have to mm-hmm. be, you have to be to be able to speak. Because I, I just try to put myself in the place of somebody going to a you know another country and having to learn that language and not knowing it and and being able to function uh, and how smart you have to be to to to, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to speak up and say things. And so I'm I'm always impressed by uh, players, whatever country they're from, to uh, to attempt to speak English as we rarely attempt to speak their language sometimes. But. I know when I was doing baseball full-time and, and had I stayed in, in that as a full-time job longer, um, I would have – I wanted to learn Spanish. Oh, All for the sure. players speaking Spanish. And for sure. Even if I didn't tell anybody I knew it, I just wanted to know what they were saying. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, yeah. You know, that, that was always the thing. You know, you know, you're sitting there and you're hearing it, and it's fine, but you're like, what are they saying? You know, you'd like yeah. to know sometimes. but They're talking about you, Steve. They might have been. I mean, who knows? Yeah. It might have been, but I, I think it's a huge advantage if you're a baseball writer to know Spanish because they're more at ease if they can speak in their own language, mm-hmm. just like you are, mm-hmm. just like I am, um, and you know, therefore, you, you know, you have a commonality. You form; they probably appreciate you trying to speak their language mm-hmm. as opposed to expecting them to speak English. Um, so, yeah, I that's think, one thing. Uh, Joe Madden, uh, Joe Madden was learning Spanish and, and getting pretty good mm-hmm. at it. I mean, he didn't. He didn't know everything. I know he he would do an interview with Enrique Alou, who's the Spanish uh, uh, right. radio play-by-play or analyst, mm-hmm. and he would do one once a week, and he would do it in Spanish. But every once in a while, he had to stop and go, "How do I say this word?" And then Enrique <laughs> would tell him, and he, you know, but I mean, it was he was actually pretty good at it, but he was also learning too, and, and I think players appreciated that a lot too. That this is my favorite know. phrase that I had when you're learning to speak Spanish or Spanglish, which is what I speak Spanglish. <laughs> when you're learning to speak Spanglish. Um, one of the common phrases that I learned was "como dice." And he was just like, "What do you say? <laughs> what, how, do you, how do you say?" In other words, "como dice uh, television." <laughs> you know, like "ah, uh, was television." Ah, okay. Bueno, 
como dice food? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how we got on this topic. Oh, uh, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. So the Lightning have a chance. So they, they, do you think they wrap this up, or do you think that there's just a, a, a faint heartbeat over there in the Islanders uh, clubhouse that they could pull off one more win? Well, I, I think there's a couple things at play. One, you know, the, the fourth win is always the hardest. Because you know this is the Islanders. It's it's, it's the one you have you to either do. Have, I mean, this is a must win for the Islanders now. I mean, yes, we talk about yes. must wins all the time when it's the third game this of the is, series. This and it is, is it. Yeah. This is a must win. Yes. Um, does Braden Point play? He was. You know, we missed Game Three because of injury. Played Game Four. Looked good. I wouldn't say great, but he looked good. He, I mean, that line did great. And then he got hurt somehow. Either reaggravated whatever's hurt or hurt something else and didn't play the second half, the third period. So mm-hmm. do the lightning plan. One, is he healthy enough to play? And two, even if he is, do you rest him knowing you've I, got a 3-1 lead? And I think you might. And I, I, I think, think you, you know, might. You've been the better team in this series. And unlike, unlike, game three, which you, unlike game three, which you lost without him, you do have Kalorn in this game. Right. You didn't have Kalorn in the last one. You were missing Kalorn right. in that game too. So do you go ahead and rest him and not play him? Um, I think I might. I, you know, I, it all depends on you know what actually depends is. on what severity what, of the injury, yeah, what the injury and what the is chances and, and, of yeah. him making it worse. I mean, mm-hmm. the one thing you don't want to do is lose him for the Stanley Cup, but the, you do still have to win the fourth game to get there. Yes, and, and you don't want to, you know, well, we've got three games to do that. You don't want to take it for granted, but you do have but to look a little long term too. Yes, and and you look, your team's playing very well. You're going to have Kalorn, mm-hmm. which you didn't have in that game three, so. You know, there's a chance Point doesn't play tonight. There was no update from Cooper today on that, and I'm sure in the morning when he does his press availability to be tuned in tonight to find out, which is what he always says. So, right. you know, look, I, I think the Lightning are the better team in this series. Um, I, I think they've played better all series long. I don't think the Islanders have an answer for the Point, Kucherov, Palat line. Um, and their top line, Matthew Barzell, is, you know, you, you see some flashes from Barzell, but for the most part, the Lightning have contained that line, much like they did the Bergeron line and much like they did Columbus's top line, too, is, you know, their top lines aren't doing much. And that's what the Lightning have done in, in this in this playoffs is take away your top line and then say, how are you going to beat us? Because we've got enough depth, do you? And nobody has so far. Well, very interesting. I mean, I think they're going to the Cup. I don't know which night it'll be. Hopefully, uh, for their sake, they wrap it up. You know now, and um, and then it, and then I I you know I guess it'll be Dallas, right? Well, game five is going on as we speak. It's in the third period. Uh, as we're taping this, it's eight a little over eight minutes to go. Vegas has a two one lead. So oh, Vegas okay. at this point they were up two nothing. Then Dallas got a goal back. So uh, but yeah. if Vegas wins tonight, then game six of that series would be Wednesday night. Interesting. And then finally, the Rays, uh, they began a series against the Nationals. Didn't fare too well up there in D.C., um, so they get them here at the Trop. Sad news, uh, since since we really talked, we haven't talked about G-Man Choi, who is such an important player for them. You know, when he first got here, I wasn't really sure what to make of him. Um, you could certainly hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, had occasional power. He turned himself into a better first baseman than I think anybody realized he was capable of that one spring. Mm-hmm. And has actually been their guy uh, for the most part, um, but he brings more than that. Like he brings a certain sort of joy, and looseness, and clutchness, and um, you know that I think that that team, I think they really like G Man. They like playing with him. He's mm-hmm. one of those tone setter guys that you know you hate to be without. 
And well, so, hopefully, I mean, they say he's going to be out two to three weeks at this point, so that, that leaves out the rest of the regular season. But right. would be back Both early, early in the playoffs, in play. assuming that you know two to three weeks holds, and right. that he would be back then. So, um, you know, I mean, that's that's why you have depth. That's why you have, you know, Nate Lau and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and you know, suits who go and everybody else that can fill in, depending on you know, you know, G Man when he was a DH, you could put suits who go there now, and mm-hmm. so. You know that's I mean, that's what the Rays kind of do best is okay. This guy's out. Who? How do we patch this up? I mean, that's what they've done all year with the pitching staff, and um, they've that's been their mo for years now. Is you know when this player goes down here, we got three other guys we're going to patch in to fill in this hole. Right. Yeah, and, and and now we don't know. I mean, I think the White Sox. I mean, as everything changes, right? Because the Rays were off. Um, on Monday, but uh, the the White Sox are, are gaining ground, you know, with the top seed in the American League. So White Sox are actually ahead of the Rays now. So they are now. So they're they're fighting for that that position, and that's going to you know obviously impact who they play and what the matchups will be. And we'll have to sort all that out here in the next week or so. But uh, man, we're getting close to the end of this thing. What a sprint this was! Well, the Rays have thirteen games to go as we tape this. Magic number six to win the division. Wow. And, or no, I'm sorry, uh, six to clinch a playoff berth. Playoff spot, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Seattle's playing right now, so if they were to lose, it would be five. And then it's 11 to clinch a division. Incredible. With 13 to play. Uh, you want to fly that banner. I think they've only won, won the division twice, uh, I want to say, um, since their inception. Obviously, they, you know, they've got a few banners up there at the top. But, yeah, it's um, – it's we're, we're all we're headed to a a, a huge uh, tournaments uh, situation here with both the NHL and Major League Baseball. The Rays have a chance. The Lightning certainly have a chance to win the Cup. What, how 2020 would that be? Uh, that in this year of uh, COVID, when no one could go see him play, nonetheless, uh, you'll take it, right? You'll, you, and in some ways, maybe it's maybe it's even uh, maybe it was even a harder thing to do and more sacrifice for them to have to go in the bubble and do all those sorts of things. So. Um, they're in a good position, and then now we just got to see if the Bucks mm-hmm. can straighten themselves out, and you have three good teams going for once. Uh, it's been a long time since that's happened here in Tampa. And uh, one other note from the weekend: uh, Jeff Scott got his first win at USF. He did. he did against the Citadel, and they looked pretty good. Actually, I mean, you know, Citadel's a FCS school, but right, uh, I thought they looked pretty good overall. And uh, the the uh, competition goes up this week, though. They're in South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish, so Notre Dame. Yeah, that'll be definitely a, a, a step up in class. I can't believe we've gone this entire podcast, Steve, and I didn't talk to you on my, on uh, Sunday night just because we were in New Orleans and me and Ed broke down the game. But I can't believe we've gone this far into the podcast. We haven't congratulated me and my Arkansas State Red Wolves on their big victory over Kansas State. What an exciting game that was on Saturday. I missed that one, but I did see the score, so I was yeah. just waiting for your update. It's uh it was a thing of pride, I mean, because you know, these these non power five schools first of all, the Sun Belt Conference has been crushing people, right? Mm-hmm. Um what was it, Louisiana? Yep. Uh they're ranked beat... for the first time since like nineteen forty three, I think it is. Yeah. Is that the Raging Cajuns? I believe? Yeah, yeah. It took yeah. out Iowa State. Right, took out Iowa State, and then you had another. I think there was another Sun Belt team that uh, that might have won. Um, Coastal Carolina, I think, beat Kansas again. No, they whipped Kansas. It's like the second time. I mean, yeah. they're bringing pinatas and and uh, <laughs> chalk, you know, chalk pieces to break up in the locker room. I mean, it's like when you bring your own props, knowing you're going to beat Kansas. Holy moly! I was never, I, I, I never really like got into Big Twelve football. I'll be honest with you, but. 
outside of Oklahoma and maybe Texas, God love them if they ever get back there. That's not a very strong conference. Yeah, I mean, every, you know, it? Oklahoma State's good every couple of years, and yeah, you know, you got you have an offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, Texas Texas Tech was good for several years in there, and yep, uh, they haven't been recently, but yeah, I mean, it's look, they just it's all offense. I mean, outside Oklahoma's got an okay defense, but mm-hmm. you know, everybody else, it's just you know, everybody's load up on offense and see how see if we can outscore you. It was fun to watch them on national TV. And, of course, you know, without not, not many games that day, um, particularly involving some of the better schools, um, the SEC is still predominantly off and, um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, they got a lot of run nationally. Um, you know, and I'm telling you, Blake, he's not going to be there long. That's a good football. He's been there already six years, which is hard to believe because that's, that's an eternity because they were going through him about every year. But, yeah, I was proud of my Red Wolves, man. They they got behind, they came back, they dominated the game. Had a guy go completely nuts at receiver that's going to get drafted. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. Um, so anyway, we've got college football coming up again this weekend. Uh, getting a little more back to normal. I'll tell you though, uh, I I really do hope this because having been in that dome, and this is just true, it's hard for the it, not hard for the players or professionals that compete. They're going to compete hard no matter what. But as far as energy goes. I mean, they did a bad job totally at um, for the Saints at, at the Superdome. They they would turn all the sound off during commercials. So it was like a warehouse, like, hey, Bob, Bob, how you doing, Bob, Bob, Bob. Like it was echoing in there. It was like, and then, you know, it, the sound wasn't strong enough. And it, 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 I felt, I mean, the Saints would have had a legit complaint, like, yo, like, like we got to do a better job here. We're not even getting, like, a, a steady hum out of, out of these speakers, but it's just that the building is so cavernous. I think the Bucks will do a better job this Sunday at Raymond James. I think it'll it'll have the soundtrack because I think the players need that. Like they do this in baseball, mm-hmm. and when they were first testing it out, they played an ear squ- you know an ear squad game, and we, they played one sort of without sound, and then they put the sound in, and you could see the guys come alive. You could actually see the players. You know, they were playing the walk up songs. They were playing music in between innings. That's you. You need a game day experience even if there are no fans to enjoy the game day experience, because those players um, sort of, you know, there's a rhythm to what they do and, and uh, you know, it gets their juices flowing. It gets their adrenaline pumping. It's just just like it primes things up. And if they, they hear familiar music at, at at certain times, or if you fire the cannons or whatever it is, um, you should do it. And I just thought that the saints did a horrible job, just, just an awful job of trying to create any kind of ambient noise or, or anything. I mean, it was really like, you know, years and years at uh, at different stadiums I'd go to um, after the game, everybody would be come back from the locker room, be riding and be real quiet. But then you look down on the field and there might be like a youth league game, you know, or a high school type game at that age um, or 13, 14 year olds. And you'd have just the parents smattering of people there. And then you'd look up and you'd kind of hear like the bench going nuts and it was some kid breaking off a 25-yard run or something. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a bunch of youth league players came in there with their moms and dads in this giant arena and just sat there and you'd hear a smattering of, of excitement when there was a play made. But but from being there, from actually being in the arena, totally different experience from what I'm sure you saw and felt on television. Um, you know, and and, uh, and and those guys have to work on that. They and as OJ Howard said, and he is the juice. He goes, you you know, BYOJ, you you know, bring your own juice or whatever. B is that what it would be? Bring your BY yeah BYOJ, B-Y-O-J. bring your own juice. 
And so um, they got to find a way to do that. And that, Brady talked about that too, that, you know, um, they just have to be on it. So we've got uh, still a busy week. Of course, we'll uh, recap the Rays game tonight against the Washington Nationals as well as what could be a series-clinching game for the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and earn a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It'd be Man, just the third is... time in franchise history they would make it there. Yeah, Third of course, time, they won course, it in 04, uh, and then they lost it in 15 to Lost the to Chicago, yeah. It's, and it was 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that, uh, five years ago. I mean, it's been been a number of years, so good for them. Um, be interesting to see if they can pull that off. So we're glad that you enjoyed the podcast. We'll have all your Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, Tom Brady news. You can read all of that on tampabay.com. Follow me there. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 